First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If our pastor was here, he would say, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, and I know you do, open them up now uh, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm going to read just a passage of Scripture that takes place on Resurrection Sunday. John 20, beginning verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and He said to them, Peace be with you. When He had said that, He showed them His hands and His side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this glorious picture of Christ speaking to his disciples and to us right after his resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that as he challenged them, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, that he's still issuing that challenge to us today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart and each life here. Lord, that we might know as followers of Christ that we have been sent on a mission. And I pray that you'd use these words to speak to our hearts and challenge us to walk with you today. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today was a Resurrection Sunday. It was late in the evening. Already the disciples had been astonished by many Uh, things that have happened. Uh, Mary Magdalene, some women had gone to the grave early that morning. They came back to the disciples all excited and frenzied saying, we saw saw the resurrected Lord. He's not there. The tomb is empty. And they went to investigate. They were scratching their heads. They didn't know what to believe. Uh, And then late in the afternoon, two men or two people from uh, disciples that were on their way to Emmaus came back and reported as they were walking home, they were joined by a stranger who began to enlighten them uh, about passages in the Old Testament. And uh, at a meal, when he gave thanks, it was revealed that it was the Lord. And they came back to say, he's alive. They were discussing these matters. And then, to their astonishment, from locked doors, in steps into the room, the Lord Jesus. And uh, shares words to encourage them, uh, peace to you. And, uh, and yet, you know, they were, they were huddled in that upper room for fear of their lives from the Jews. They thought the same thing that happened to Jesus would happen to them. And uh, so they were frightened and then surprised. And uh, they thought their hopes and dreams had been dashed and broken, destroyed when Jesus went to the cross. But now new hope began to arise. And he said those words, those remarkable words, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And they realized that now the dreams were not broken. The adventure was just beginning. They were being sent out into the world as Jesus had come into the world to be their Savior. Today I want to focus on four roles that we see in this passage, in this one verse, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, and the verses right after that, that uh, remind us about our God as ascending God. And so we'll look at four roles that are shared. The first is that God is ascending God. God is ascending God. And uh, when you think about the history of the Word of God, 
We find from the first pages in Genesis, we find God is sending. He sends Abraham uh, to the, the promised land to begin a people group who would be used as a showcase to share to the whole world God's purposes. And he sends Moses to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And he causes him to be the Savior to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt toward the promised land. He sends Joshua to be the, the one who actually leads in victory into the promised land uh, as they form a nation there in Israel. And then he sent the judges like Deborah and uh, Gideon and Samson and Samuel uh, to share his, uh, his rules, his, his love for the people and his plan and his purpose for life. Even when they turned away from him, he was calling them back to himself. Then he sent kings like David and Solomon and Asa and Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah and Josiah, good kings who demonstrated that God was the true king of Israel and that they were to love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he sent the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and others to share that God had a message of repentance and God had a message of judgment and God had a message of restoration for a nation that had turned away from him. But last of all, last of all and most important, God sent his very own son, uh, the Savior of the world, born as we've celebrated at Christmas time, born in a manger in Bethlehem. Uh, didn't stay a baby. He grew to manhood, lived a perfect life, went to the cross and died for our sins because God wanted to reconcile man to himself. And God had shown that he loved the whole world. He even sent Jonah, a prophet, to a people in Nineveh, people who were heathen, to show that God had mercy and grace for all people. And so in sending his son, he reaches his arms around all of us, the whole world, and says, I love you. And I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And so we see, first of all, God is ascending God. But then we also see the role of Jesus, the one sent. <coughs> and uh, you look at uh, the reason, uh, or you ask the question, first of all, I go back to God. Why did God do all this sending? And I think there's three strong reasons why God sent, sent uh, did this sending. The first is that God desires relationship. That's why Jesus said, as the Father has sent me that there's a relationship the Father wants to have with every one of us. You know, sometimes I don't know if you ever wonder, why did God create this world? He didn't need us. He wasn't dependent on man. But He created, created us because He had always lived in relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. <clears throat> and He wanted to expand this relationship to include us. And so He created man in His own image. And He desired that we become part of His family. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, you know, the, uh, as the writer writes there about this relationship, he says, he, we have blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having be predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. He adopted us as sons. My, uh, my son will be here uh, in the second service, and uh, we were blessed. Uh, his last child is adopted. And we love him like we lo love the other six of our, all seven of our grandchildren. 
and uh, he's a special boy. And uh, in God's sight, every one of us who are adopted into his family are special, unique, and chosen by him before the foundations of the world. And so he desires a relationship with us, but also he desired and demanded repentance uh, from us because we have strayed from him, we sin, we've done our own thing. And he's called us to repentance all the way through the Old Testament. The prophets shared that message of repentance. When John the Baptist came, his message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus preached his first message, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, uh, and then when, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and you remember he preached <clears throat> about the death and the resurrection of Christ and uh, pointed the finger at those Jews that were there at Pentecost and said, you have been guilty of of a murder, of killing the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And they threw up their arms and, and they, they said, what shall we do? They were convicted in their hearts. Remember, Peter says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later on, Paul said that as he preached his message all throughout uh, Asia Minor, the message was repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in Acts 20, uh, 21. And then, you know, uh, the, the message of repentance again in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, I, I love what, uh, what uh, Peter says, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but he says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And so God sent his, his Son into the world that we might repent of sin. Also, God is ascending God because he, uh, he really has a demand in our life or desire for reconciliation. You know, it, it, reconciliation happens when two people are at odds with one another. And uh, the truth was, God is not an enemy to us, but we are enemies to God. We have separated ourselves from Him because of our sin, and yet God is in the reconciling uh, business. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 18 and 19, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You see, God has a heart that wants to include every one of us, no matter how far we've strayed from Him, no matter how much we've disobeyed Him, no matter how much we've sinned. God is in the reconciling business. And so He sent His Son into the world. So the second role, not only is the role of God in sending, but we have the role of Jesus who was sent by God. And, uh, you know, you ask the question, why, why did God send Jesus into the world? And of course, we've answered that in these other things, but uh, when you look at the life of Christ, first of all, it was to show or reveal what God is like. Uh, since God is a spirit and we haven't seen him, we don't always know what God is like. What is, what is the nature of God? And, and God shares with us through his son, Jesus Christ, exactly what he's like. When you look in the prologue of the gospel of John in chapter one, we find that remarkable passage that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love how the, uh, the, uh, uh, the message says that Jesus moved into our neighborhood. 
He moved in our neighborhood. So we could see exactly what God was like. He goes on to say, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. And the word in Greek is, He has exegeted Him. It's what Scott does every week, is he takes the Word of God and exegetes, explains it. He tells what the words mean. That's what he says. Jesus was the Word from God And he exegeted God. He explained God. He revealed God. He showed what God was like. Near the end of the ministry of Jesus, he was with the disciples and uh, was talking about he was the way, the truth, and the life. (coughs) And, uh, you know, Philip, one of the disciples, asked the question, Lord, if you really are the Father, just uh, show us the Father and we'll we'll believe. And I I can almost see Jesus kind of shaking his head and and just uh, disbelief. that He'd been with them so long, they still hadn't grasped this elementary truth. He says, Philip, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. You know, just look at me, and you've seen the Father. And so he came, first of all, to reveal who the Father is to us. Also, he was sent as Savior. He was sent as Savior. I love the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus is the most notorious sinner in the town of Jericho. And he uh, was despised by everybody. I mean, when people would see uh, Zacchaeus walking down the street, they would go to the other side. No self-respecting Jewish man in in Jericho would ever want his daughter to marry Zacchaeus. But when Zacchaeus was up in that tree as the parade of Jesus came passing by, and Jesus looked up in that tree and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Everybody was shocked, including Zacchaeus, that Jesus would go to his house. And during that supper meal, somehow Zacchaeus' life was totally transformed. He stood up and offered to give back everything that he'd ever taken and stolen and half his goods to the poor. And uh, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And he says, for this cause, the Son of Man has come into the world to seek and to save those who are lost. Aren't you glad that's why Jesus came in the world? (laughs) Because we were lost. We were without hope. We were enemies. We were separated from God. Yet God in His love reached out to us and said, I want to save you. And uh, the most famous verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, might be saved. He came as a savior. I love Paul's testimony in 1 Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, he didn't say I was chief, you know, because he was a persecutor or blasphemer. He said, I am chief. And each of us ought to have the same evaluation of our own life. I am the chief of sinners. Amen? I am the chief, don't say it about me, say it about you, okay? Uh, That we are the chief of sinners, and yet Jesus came as Savior. But he also came to to serve. He came to serve. And it's amazing, though he was the son of God and had everything uh, he inherited as that son, the Bible says 
that he left heaven. And one day, as two disciples requested of him, that one could sit on the right hand and one on the left hand. And uh, Jesus reminded him that wasn't his to give. And says, you got it all mixed up as the disciples got mad at James and John, probably because they didn't ask first, you know, if they could sit on the right and the left hand. They, uh, Jesus reminded him, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And just a few hours later, he demonstrated that by washing their feet. And uh, Philippians 2 reminds us of uh, this serving attitude of Christ. If you remember, this is called the great emptying out uh, of his divinity or when he comes uh, to earth. And it says, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even to death of the cross. He was a servant. So he came, he came to show the Father. He came to save. He came to serve. This is how Jesus came in the world. And as he said those words to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And so in the same way, we are called uh, to show and reveal our Lord. We're, we're called to, to share his message of salvation. We're called to serve others around us. And so the third role is really us, the ones who are called to be sent. Um, and uh, so send I you. The early disciples heard Jesus' commission here. Later on, they heard, uh, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations and uh, teach, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I've told you, and I, lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Uh, now notice Jesus did not say, come to church and make disciples. He said what? Go, go and make disciples. <coughs> so he calls for us to, to reach out beyond the walls of our church uh, to go. Uh, later on, he would share in Acts 1, but you shall receive power you know, in Jerusalem. And uh, you shall become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And uh, those disciples heard that message and they took it to heart. And uh, it was said that after the death of Stephen in Acts 7, that all these disciples were scattered from Jerusalem and they went everywhere preaching or evangelizing with the word. And as they went, they first of all went to the Samaritans. That was a huge step for a Jew to go to a Samaritan, the half-breeds, the ones they had despised all their life. And then not long after that, uh, Philip was sent on a mission to an international from Ethiopia and uh, led him to Christ. And not long after that, Peter was sent to Cornelius, a Roman centurion. And then the church in Antioch uh, commissioned Paul and Barnabas to go to the island of Cyprus and then into Galatia. They came back from their first missionary journey. They went back and Paul was called to go to Europe, to Macedonia, to Greece. And pretty soon they had impacted the known Roman world. And that's the story of Acts, how the message of Christ moves from Jerusalem all the way to the furthest extremes of the Roman Empire. And uh, God is calling, his, valid, his call is valid today as he calls us in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says, Now you are ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Since Jesus is not here, on His behalf, we are the ones who have become ambassadors for God. As He was sent, so are we sent. And then you look in Romans chapter 10, and uh, you find that Paul is speaking there, and he reminds us of the message of uh, being called and being sent. And uh, in Romans 10, beginning in verse uh, 10, or 17, I believe it is. Excuse me, let me get it here. Uh, in verse um, 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, let me go back. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good glad tidings of good things. My wife says, this is the only verse in the Bible she has trouble believing. How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. She said, Larry, your feet are ugly, you know. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> anyone who shares the good news has uh, feet that God says are beautiful. And uh, so he calls for us to uh, faithfully share that Word of God. And he's still calling. I know through the years as pastor of this church, I know we started by going to Brazil for about 20 years. We had groups going to Brazil. Uh, we went to Haiti for about 10 years, uh, sharing there. Uh, since then, we, we've been to, uh, to uh, Panama, and uh, we've been to Nicaragua. We've been to uh, Romania, to Ecuador, and uh, to South Asia, India. And uh, we've gone on many of these trips because God said to go. And we have obeyed that command. And He's still calling for us to be missionaries today. I, I rejoice that uh, just a, a few years, a, a few weeks ago, months or so ago, when our group came back from Ecuador, that one of our young girls, Peyton Carter, got up and gave testimony that while she was there, God called her to be a missionary. And so God is still calling people uh, to be missionaries. And I've said when I was a pastor, when we sing the song, wherever he leads, I'll go. And if you don't have a valid passport, you're really lying as you sing that song. You know, uh, and so some of you need to update or get a passport and be ready to go if God calls you to go. And so we are sent. We are sent as I have been sent, so send uh, you. And last of all, I want you to know the role of the Holy Spirit in sending. Uh, because as Jesus uh, spoke to them that day, He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. The same word is used in Genesis chapter 2 when God created man. He breathed into him and he became a living soul. This was a, a beginning of a process that, uh, that Jesus did with the disciples that concluded as they went to uh, the day of Pentecost, <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit came on them in an unusual way. And uh, it was the beginning of that process where the Holy Spirit assured them of several things. One is of His presence in their life. You know, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always. Well, the way Jesus is with us when we go as we're sent is through the presence of the Spirit of God who lives in us. And we never go where we go alone. He always goes with us. He goes before us. And uh, we have His Spirit with us. But He also gives us assurance of His power. There's no way that we could uh, uh, do the command of Christ and reach our world 
I mean, think about those disciples. Just the, there were 11 of them left in the upper room, as Jesus said, to go into all the world and make disciples. And said, how in the world can we? I mean, we're, we're ignorant fishermen. We're not trained rabbis. We're not eloquent speakers. How can we impact the world? And the truth was they couldn't by themselves. But with the supernatural presence and power of the Spirit of God in them, they went out and as they spoke, the, the people looked at them and they, they took notice that they had what? Been with Jesus. And when they went to Thessalonica, it says, These that have turned the world upside down have come here also. And they literally did that, turned the world upside down in that first century, not because of their human power and strength, but because of the power of Christ in them. And then I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit also says that uh, as He fills our life, He gives us a message of pardon, of forgiveness of sin. Now, I want you to notice that we do not have the power to absolve sins in our own strength. I can't go up to you, your sins are absolved, you're no longer a sinner. I, I can't do that in my strength. But what he was saying, he said, we have the keys. You know, if we share the message, the gospel message, then people have the opportunity to receive this message of pardon and forgiveness. If we never share with somebody, then, then, then they won't hear the message of how they can be forgiven of their sins. <coughs> and so the responsibility is on us to share that gospel. I remember when we were in South Asia uh, back in January, and Scott was with us, and uh, it was one evening when we came back and we were sort of sharing our experiences of the day and he talked about being overwhelmed by the darkness in that slum area that we were witnessing in. And uh, just the powers of darkness. And as we walked those tight alleyways, and uh, we would stop at anybody that would let us talk to them. And the, the thing that we asked them, could we pray for you? Just any need in your life we can pray with. And uh, if the door was open for us, uh, they would invite us into their home. We would then share the gospel and we saw over 25 of them pray to receive Christ. But the point is, that spiritual darkness, and, and Scott made that statement, I realized that as we pass people after people, some of them, most of them have never even heard the name of Jesus. And to realize that if we didn't share with them, they would enter eternity and face an eternal separation from God if we didn't share the message of pardon of sin. That's the burden that Gail and I have as we leave this Thursday for four months in South Asia in that same area of darkness, uh, praying for God to open up door after door after door for us to share the gospel and then to follow with discipleship and hopefully to plant some churches <coughs> in India while we're there. And our desire is that God would use us to share the message of God's amazing, pardoning grace to all people. And, and it is available to all of us. Now, if Jesus were here today, right here with us, I believe he would say those same words, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. And he said it over 700 years before that to a young man named Isaiah. And he asked the question, uh, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? I'll go for us. He's talking about the Trinity. And you remember Isaiah's response? Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I remember uh, my first semester at Southwestern Seminary. 
that uh, we had a, a, a missions day each semester <clears throat> where we had missionaries that would come in and challenge us about going to far mission fields. And I remember even as a boy that I had a heart's desire to go on the mission field, uh, but I never sensed God's uh, specific call to go and serve as a international missionary. However, they challenged us to make one simple commitment, to say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing, if you call me, I'll go. And I made that step. And again, the Lord didn't call me to go full time, but he did lead me to lead as a pastor in missions. And we have many opportunities that we've had to go on mission trips. And, you know, when I retired, God opened the door for me to really live out my dream of going to uh, countries and sharing and teaching nationals uh, who lived in the, in the culture, who knew the language, who, who uh, knew how to live with the expenses they had, uh, who knew how to reach the people there. And I'm having the time of my life just uh, fulfilling that part of the Great Commission of teaching and training. And the truth is, God says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. I wonder if there's someone here today. You know, two weeks ago, uh, our pastor preached on Jesus, the light to the whole world the light to the whole world. And many of you responded saying, I'm willing to go. I want to kind of extend that invitation to us today and uh, to just see if you're willing to say, Lord, I am willing. If you call me to go short term, <clears throat> if you call me to preach, to teach, if you call me to go next door and witness to my neighbors. I have neighbors on one side that are from Romania. I have a neighbor on the other side who is from Morocco. I have neighbors next door who are from up north. That's another foreign country, okay? <laughs> New Hampshire. So, you know, right in our own neighborhoods, we have people from all over the world. And God is bringing them to our doorstep. Uh, are we willing to answer the call? As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Father, I thank you so much that Jesus entrusted his future kingdom to people like Peter and James and John and to us. To say that uh, he uses people who are really nobodies in this world and infuses us with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference. And I pray, Lord, thank you for this church has a heart for missions. I pray that you would call out those that you want to call out. And uh, even this morning, that some of us would just step out and say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to go wherever you send me. Time is short. Lord, we don't know when your son's going to come back. You do. And Lord, you know the urgency of the hour. And I pray that you'd impress that upon us to be willing to go. In Jesus' name, amen. 